Welcome to Creative MKE, a conversation show from Imagine MKE, where we talk to creative leaders in Milwaukee to highlight all the incredible transformative power of their work in our region. We hope that after listening, you'll be able to imagine our city's arts and culture ecosystem and all the awesome artists, organizations, and creative assets within it in a new way. I'm your host, Elizabeth Gasparka. Hey there, welcome to Creative MKE. My guest today is Michael Lagerman, a Milwaukee artist, organizer, and collaborator. He's also my colleague at Imagine MKE, where he works as the development coordinator and also contributes wonderful design sensibilities and much more. In our conversation, we touch on the magic of collaboration, the challenges of inhabiting the space between emergent and established artists, and Milwaukee as a creative sandbox. Creative MKE is supported through a partnership with Shepherd Express. For more than 40 years, Shepherd Express has proudly advocated for arts and culture in the Milwaukee area. You can hear more podcasts like this one at shepherdexpress.com. Today's feature sound is an excerpt from a cinema performance by artist Sarah Sowell. Michael Lagerman received his MFA in visual art from UWM in 2021. Lagerman has shown work at venues including the Alice Wilds and the Winnipeg Underground Film Festival. He's the recipient of artist grants, including a Generator Sherman Phoenix grant and the Open Fund for his collaborative artist-run project space, Underscore. Lagerman is currently the artist-in-residence at the Charles Alice Art Museum. Stick around for my conversation with Michael Lagerman after the break. Welcome, Michael. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Nice to have you in the space here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Really excited to speak with you about your work as an artist here in Milwaukee. And I'd like to invite you to kick us off by telling me about an arts experience from your life that left a strong imprint on you. Yes. Just to choose one, I'll go back to 2014. I was in Chicago for a conference during my undergrad. And instead of going to the conference that day, I decided to skip and go to the Museum of Contemporary Art, where there was an Mm -hmm. exhibition titled The Way of the Shovel. Mm -hmm. And I think it was my first experience with contemporary art that like moved me. There was Robert Smithson, Suzanne Creeman. And just like this collection of work was really astounding to me. I didn't know that art could look like that or make me feel like that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it opened up a lot of doors. Did you start to respond to that work in your own work after that experience? Definitely. Yes. That Suzanne Creeman piece has been kind of something I always go back to. And Robert Smithson is someone that I found a lot of inspiration with and uh, have done research on. So just for context, you recently joined the Imagine MKE team. I want to just 
invite you to speak to a little bit about what drew you to this opportunity to work for Imagine and how does working towards an artist empowered future in Milwaukee align with your professional goals? Yeah, uh, I think the position and the team at Imagine are really what drew me in. I am the development coordinator at Imagine Milwaukee and I approach this position more as relationship building. That's how I see it kind of playing out. And I think there's a lot of strong collaborations that can happen in Milwaukee in between existing organizations and institutions and just the artists that are here. Mm. And so, yeah, working towards an artist empowered future just makes sense. Mm. In my time in Milwaukee, I've unintentionally and intentionally have been building relationships. And so this seemed like a natural fit to yeah, make it my job mm. to do so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As a former fundraiser in the arts, I love to hear it. Love to hear <laughs> yeah. the uh, relationship building at the center of what you're doing and your perspective as as a fundraiser. You know, the resources are kind of secondary. It's really about finding people whose purpose and vision of the arts and culture space in Milwaukee that aligns with the organization and what they're delivering on making that connection. So we're, we're so excited to have you as part of our team and yeah, for this next chapter. Yeah. Thank you. It's going to be good. So talk me through your professional journey outside of your work as a development coordinator, focusing more on your work as an artist and programmer. Can you, can you walk me through that, that journey? Yeah. Where does it start? That's what <laughs> I asked myself. I'll go way back and I'll say that I remember spending time in my grandpa's dark room and never really got to know him but I remember those formative years just sort of look, looking at images and his slides and I think that's when images had their first like impact on me mm. and then later in life I took some photography classes but it wasn't until college when I started to apply some conceptual rigor to mm. it I studied philosophy and photography right. and so those years are when I started to think a little bit more with images. And mm -hmm. then after that, I moved to Milwaukee and just found community and a sense of belonging within the art scene here. Mm -hmm. So it took me a couple years, but I eventually applied to grad school and I went to the Peck School for the Arts at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. And I started my MFA there. And that was sort of the major catalyst into mm. be kind of professionalizing my practice. Mm -hmm. It gave me the skills, it gave me the time and opportunities to work at the university. Mm -hmm. But I finished that degree in 2021. And then since then, I've been fortunate enough to be able to continue my practice through having different studio spaces and having exhibitions and then programming. So mm. everything has just kind of fallen into place, but it's not without a like a sense of yeah, dedication, I mm, think. Mm -hmm. And bringing through that that rigor and that conceptual curiosity that you developed as a an undergrad studying philosophy. I think that's really interesting because when they're pitching philosophy degrees, they're always like, philosophy majors can go on to become anything. Anything. I mean, <laughs> I don't really, like, I don't even know what I really learned. <laughs> like, it's mm -hmm. like, I read stuff, I wrote things. And yeah, I continue to do those things. So I think it's more just a a methodology of mm -hmm. how to kind of how to read mm. and question learning to learn learning to learn mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. new tagline for all philosophy departments <laughs> yeah 
So yeah, you went to Peck School of the Arts for mm-hmm. the MFA program in photography. Mm-hmm. I, I can't let that comment pass without just acknowledging what an engine the Peck School of the Arts is for the amazing arts and culture that we enjoy here in Milwaukee. So many talented people move through that space and have the opportunity to, as you said, professionalize, mm-hmm. act as instructors. Mm-hmm giving back ends up being folded into that experience. Mm-hmm. I'd love to invite you to weigh in on that because I know you you did some teaching. Yeah. My first position was the photo documentation lab mm. manager. Mm. And so the Peck School of the Arts has this awesome resource where any student, like undergrad, graduate, and faculty and staff can have their artwork professionally documented mm. for free. Mm-hmm. And so that was my first position. And art documentation is still something I do freelance today. And so that was this first step, I guess, in having this practice as an artist outside of the university. Mm. But after that position, I was a teaching assistant for Art 118, mm-hmm. which I eventually went on to teach my own sections of. And I did get a fellowship my last year, so I didn't have to teach. So mm-hmm. there was, that was a nice opportunity to just focus on my practice. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest thing about universities, there's so many resources available. And so if I can say one thing about what to do at school, it's really just like take advantage of the resources and the mm-hmm. opportunities that are there mm-hmm. because no one's going to hand it to you, but you can put your name in to use the space or get the get the money or mm-hmm. do do what you can with the time and the resources that are heavily available. Mm, right. But mm-hmm. there is some amount of having to take initiative yourself. Right? Definitely. Yeah. My advice to students would have to be like, take mm. the initiative because those four or five years, whatever it takes <laughs> to get the degree, it's those resources go away right after that. and you might be hurting a little bit. And you can, you will feel it. Yeah, you do. Yeah, it's immediate. <laughs> oh, I remember when I was graduating from Oberlin College, I enjoyed so much about my time there. But for example, there were pianos everywhere mm-hmm. on campus, Steinway pianos that were tuned and ready for, you know, intended for the jazz musicians mm-hmm. who were studying <laughs> rigorously at the conservatory, but other people got to enjoy them as well. So as a as a burgeoning songwriter, I remember thinking to myself, well, this is pretty unique. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be able to find this anywhere else. No, just to have pianos everywhere. Yeah. And there are great spaces in Milwaukee, too, that allow you to access resources. Mm. I can't really speak to musical spaces, mm-hmm. but I know the Makerspace in Bayview mm. has great and affordable resources that you can access. And mm-hmm. the new Mitchell Street Arts uh, building that Rue Gordon is leading, that's going to be a huge like space for artists to use. Mm. And I'm helping Rue build out the dark room in the basement and it's Milwaukee's first community accessible darkroom. Fantastic. It's huge. That's yeah. so exciting. Mm-hmm. Wow. You heard it here first, people. <laughs> so, of, of course, photography is kind of your your main medium. You've referenced that a few times. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about Underscore and how your love of photography translated into film and the work that you're doing with Underscore? Yeah. So Underscore is a collaborative project with myself and friend, collaborator, fellow artist, Grace Mitchell. And I think my interest in film started in grad school Mm -hmm. when I was taking some film classes. 
just to diversify my credit load hmm. and took some great seminars, took some practical classes like 16 millimeter. And those ideas, the way the filmmakers apply theory to moving images and just the familiarity with some of the analog technology, whether it's film or just video editing software, they seem to go hand in hand between photography and film or video. Mm -hmm. And so just started watching more film, started reading things that filmmakers were reading. And yeah, I like the community of film. I think it's a good, good group of people. Mm -hmm. And so Underscore started when Grace and I were just sort of had this opportunity. There was a space available mm -hmm. and we had talked about the need for another space and DIY gallery of sorts, something experimental, non-commercial. And we decided on the name Underscore and we launched in January of 2022. So we've been programming now for, I guess, eight, 18 months or so. Wow. Yeah. And I think our mission statement reads, Underscore is an artist-run project space and screening room emphasizing risk-taking and experimentation in queer, cinematic, visual, and performance arts. Mm. So we're not bound to film, mm -hmm. but we have shown and worked with a lot of filmmakers, but we've also shown some visual art. We've done sculpture and installation. And I think one of the best things about Underscore is allowing artists the opportunity to do something that they haven't done before or something mm -hmm. that they've been wanting to do mm -hmm. um, outside of a traditional gallery space where mm -hmm. there's the sort of necessary intention to sell or this is more of a space to think and mm. try experiment and yeah it's been so fun so far awesome mm -hmm. and you've worked with artists at all different stages of their careers mm -hmm. so that's so interesting that you're opening it up with that invitation to experiment and kind of reset yeah we definitely have some like idols that we've looked up to and we've mm -hmm. been lucky enough to show mm -hmm. and I think their work is inspirational to the space's ethos mm -hmm. but then yeah working with younger artists and emerging artists some student artists trying to cover the gamut and yeah inc be inclusive mm. Mm -hmm. speaking of career trajectories and thinking about how artists tend to get thrown into the camp of emerging artists or established artists. Mm -hmm. You and I have spoken a little bit about how that's kind of um, a misnomer and that's not really a fair organizing principle for artists mm -hmm. who are, you know, on their journeys and might take three steps forward, one step back, or go in a totally different direction and pick up a new medium that's outside of the scope of the work that they've done before. Um, but I think that you could be considered a, a mid a mid range <laughs> artist, right? In terms, you've had a lot of really wonderful opportunities and residencies. So I'm just wondering if you can speak to the challenges of this moment that you're in as an artist. This kind of liminal space. Yeah, it is a liminal space. I think there's like a maybe a constant sort of struggle that I maybe all artists sort of deal with about mm -hmm. like how to self identify. Mm -hmm. Like I am an artist who works with photography, but does that mean I'm a photographer? But then sometimes I make videos. So am I 
lens-based or multimedia. So there's all of these like different camps that you have to like put yourself in. And I think the struggle with self-identifying career stage, I'm hesitant to do it simply mm -hmm. because if I'm lucky enough to continue to make art, that is good enough for me. Mm -hmm. And so to sort of quantify my experience through like emerging or mid or established mm -hmm. feels counterproductive. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's always artists who like are identifying themselves these way, but rather like the institutions that mm -hmm. support or give opportunities to artists. And so I don't know how helpful it is to have like a three tier system. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so the biggest struggle, I guess, would just be the language. How do you best express that what I do is not always the same, mm -hmm. but it's coming from the same source of like action i guess and mm -hmm. not always the same inspiration not always the same outcome mm -hmm. and yeah so it's almost a rejection of uh like homogeny mm -hmm. like shouldn't it i don't think all art should look the same from every artist and that's for me but mm -hmm. you're kind of speaking to like a, a poetic perspective on art careers mm -hmm. right it's often, though, the institutions themselves that create these encampments, right? Mm -hmm. They want to make grants at a certain level to emerging artists because they believe that will make a difference in their career based on these factors. Mm -hmm. And established artists might need more funding to produce at the level that they're used to producing, or they may employ studio assistants or mm -hmm. things like that. So it's so interesting to me, though, that organizations seem to be reinforcing this dichotomy yeah it's just a, it's a hard thing to know what you are sometimes mm -hmm. in in the eyes of people that are giving you grants or mm -hmm. giving you opportunities and yeah it can just be strange to know your own ambition and know like how far you would like to go mm -hmm. or what you would be capable of yeah it's just an odd relationship to self-identify in mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to your work at Underscore. You have worked, you said, for 18 months with your colleague, Grace Mitchell. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, collaboration is hard. It's really hard. Being an artist itself is hard. So I want to invite you to do some reflecting on the match that you've made with Grace. Yeah. In some ways, collaborations are a little bit like dating, right? You might be drawn to someone uh, because there's like initial chemistry or you have something in common. How do you grow from just like that spark to actually working alongside another person in, in a programming capacity? I think what Grace and I have is very special. And I will say collaboration can be really daunting and challenging. Mm -hmm. But I think Grace and I have done a great job of just being open and communicative mm -hmm. about like our hopes. This is, <laughs> this is silly, like our hopes and fears of mm -hmm. like the space and also like the commitment and what we want of the space. And, mm -hmm. but we generally agree. Um, and so I think I'm really lucky to have found this collaboration and this energy with someone that at first, when I first met Grace, it was just a, a cool person that I wanted to be friends with. Mm. I was like, oh. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's just blossomed into friendship and then friendship into a collaborative 
undertaking. What I'm hearing is communication and also the willingness to be vulnerable. Definitely. And admit your fears, reckon with your fears together. Mm -hmm. I think at a certain point, there's almost a telepathy that mm. occurs where it's like we've never had to sit down and assign roles or how like things work, but we kind of know each other's strengths and we know how each other thinks at this point and mm -hmm. when it comes to programming and um yeah it's it's a joy wonderful mm -hmm. thank you so have you ever had a moment on this path as an artist and a programmer where your work was called into question either in your own mind or by something you experienced externally in the world um, and how did you recenter yourself hmm. My inclination is to say, like, I feel like I'm always recentering, <laughs> like I'm sort of in a always the state of reflection when it comes to making my own work. But I think to make that more tangible, I've recently been starting to think about my work in terms of years mm. where the output is from a year mm -hmm. and I'm giving myself a little bit more freedom to change directions or like the thing that I'm thinking about in the next year or something. So my own work came into question, though. I think my work came into question. I guess, could you, what question? <laughs> <laughs> that's, I'm glad you're pushing back. Yeah. That's maybe not a fair way to say it. I will just share that as a, you know, as a musician, that's kind of my primary medium. There are times where I have a lot of self-doubt mm -hmm. and I have a lot of frustration with my own limitations and... You know, I tend to surround myself with really talented people who are supportive of me. But then there are moments where you receive a rejection, for example. Mm -hmm. It's this moment where maybe your fear meets with the real world in a way that can reinforce your insecurities. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that fun feeling. Um, <laughs> I think that right now I'm kind of experiencing that a little bit. Mm. I have a residency at the Charles Ellis Art Museum, mm -hmm. and it's a great time. I'm so impressed with the space and the staff and everything. However, getting to the studio when I'm there and I'm working, there's been some good output so far, but there's been days where like, what the hell is happening? Like, why isn't this clicking yet? Mm. And I think that those times can be frustrating, but it does feel like it's a necessary thing to sort of push through those moments of doubt or uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And I think the more you do it, the more comfortable you get with it. And I think showing up is a powerful thing and you just kind of have to be self-assured mm -hmm. in a certain sense and not listen to those automatic negative thoughts that mm -hmm. happen. Mm -hmm. And rejection is such a huge part of mm. being an artist, like hearing no, you're going to hear more no than yes. And maybe just some coming to peace with that friction as part of the process, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really nice point, too, because there are these like tenuous things that come out when making art. Maybe it's like secrets or honesty or something that's like you're embedding in the work. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to share those things. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I want to invite you to just give a little shout out to any Milwaukee arts organizations that have shaped you or are impressing you these days mm. within our rich landscape. There are so many over the years. I feel like I could just list all the galleries I know in <laughs> Milwaukee, but uh, the Alice Wilds, John and Tina at the Alice Wilds mm -hmm. have been great supporters. And of course, the Green Gallery, I've always been impressed with the 
Hersfeld Media Center at the Milwaukee Art Museum. Mm. I think that that is such a great space, mm-hmm. and the curators have always done an amazing, an amazing job. Linden Sculpture Garden, the John Michael Kohler Art Center, and the Arts Preserve, mm-hmm. and yeah, the Suburban, <laughs> <laughs> Real Tinsel, Portrait Society. There's just like there's such great galleries and spaces, mm-hmm. and the people that are leading them are so committed to their curatorial vision mm-hmm. and their practice and they all have unique voices mm-hmm. and I think that's really inspiring to see these spaces and they're not they're not competitive with one another because mm-hmm. they all are all set on their own paths and their own visions and I think it's awesome that they exist mm-hmm. and continue to do stellar programming. Mm. I love that point that they're not competitive with one another. Mm-hmm. It's almost like that creates a sense of spaciousness mm-hmm. and possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Just nodes on this like kind of sprawling network. Mm. And there's also some great DIY spaces. You know, I'm seeing more DIY mm-hmm. spaces pop up and I think that's great. We need more. Um, I don't think there can ever be too many artist run project spaces popping up. What's great about Milwaukee is it's a sandbox to make mm. your to make your own <laughs> to make your own uh, sandcastle of whatever you see fit. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's put that on a trucker hat. <laughs> Milwaukee, the sandbox, creative sandbox. It could be a new project space. Ooh, mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, okay. <laughs> Writing that Side down. Project. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. So I want to invite you as a last last thought to imagine, if you will. And I'm going to take a phrase from John Riepenhoff from our recent conversation with him, an artist empowered future for Milwaukee, where there's more support for the arts at the institutional level Mm -hmm. and on the individual level. What does that look like? And what might that radical shift mean for the future of this city and our creative community? Hmm. Well, I see an artist empowered future kind of leading Milwaukee towards a brighter, more diverse and cleaner cityscape. And I kind of feel like Milwaukee, since I've lived here for almost 10 years, has been in this sort of stage of a perpetual renaissance. Hmm. Like it always feels like there's something like we're about to reach the crest of something, but it kind of just keeps cycling. Hmm. Not without progress, but there's always this like we're we're always advancing. We're always pushing. We're always growing. And so I think an artist-empowered future in that would just, I don't know, catalyze all the hard work that Milwaukee artists do, all the important work that they do. Mm-hmm. I could see an art market existing here that actually supports and sustains Milwaukee artists. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could, I would love to see more large-scale public art initiatives and fairs and just sort of, yeah exciting the community about art. Awesome. Yeah, you're bringing to mind also the Milwaukee International, another mm-hmm. project of John Riepenhoff's, mm-hmm. which was before my time in Milwaukee, but I almost feel like it's it's time to bring it back in some form. I would agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would be nice to see it. And we have the galleries, we have the artists, and we have the lakefront. And I think it needs to be maybe near the lake. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Maybe we can put this to John at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. That's that's a beautiful vision. Thanks. 
Thanks so much for your time today, Michael. This was a joy to get to sit down with you and learn a little bit more about you. Yeah, thank you for asking me such insightful questions and yeah, having me on the episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it, leave a rating or review, or contact us. Creative MKE is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Elizabeth Gasparka. It is recorded in beautiful downtown Milwaukee with engineering support from the good folks at PodCamp Media. Creative MKE's theme music was written and produced by Bobby Drake. To get involved or learn more about the work of Imagine MKE, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or visit us on the web 